Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Hey, you're listening to the Innovate for Impact podcast. I'm Dan Bentley and I'm joined by Tracy Newman. Today, we're joined by a special guest, Petrina Greenwood. Petrina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Hey, you want to just tell our uh, lovely listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I work for Baptist Care, New South Wales and ACT, and I'm the innovation manager, fairly newly created role. I've been with Baptist Care for quite some time, actually, um, in a different area of the business in our community services and housing division. But yeah, newly sort of moved into this role. I guess just a bit of context about Baptist Care. We are a not-for-profit Christian-based care organisation that's been operating for over 75 years, so quite some time. We have around 4,200 employees and volunteers across our locations in New South Wales and ACT. That includes 21 residential aged care homes and 15 retirement villages. We also have our community housing sites and our 18 community services locations. And also we have quite a large area of the business, which is our home care operations, where we provide in-home care services across around 475 suburbs across New South Wales and ACT. So yeah, quite a large organisation and my role as innovation manager spans, I guess, across all of that. So it's quite diverse. Yeah. And what are some of the sorts of things that they uh, have you focusing on as the innovation manager? I could imagine it could be, like you said, quite diverse and broad across across such a large organisation. Did you want to maybe tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're, you're doing there? Yeah, yeah, sure. Innovation's not entirely new for Baptist Care, um, even though, you know, a not-for-profit faith-based organisation probably is not traditionally something you think of when you think of innovation, but we have been on a digital transformation journey for quite some time and we've had some success in that area. We have quite a robust IT department, for example, and done a lot of work around business insights, you know, and developing lots of reporting and we've actually been sort of recognised in that space. But I guess what's different, about 12 to 18 months ago, the organisation made a commitment to actually really focus more heavily in the innovation space. That decision was made because we realised that if we didn't do that and really amp up some of that work, we would just simply get left behind. And, you know, there's a saying, (laughs) I guess, that if you're not improving, you're not just standing still, you're actually moving backwards. So we did lots of thinking around that. And so what that means for us in terms of the projects, what we did initially was define, well, what what is innovation to Baptist Care? And we really liked, um, there's a saying that Inventium use, I don't know if they coined it, but they used it, which is just that change that adds value. So we kind of kicked things off with, well, okay, innovation for us is change that adds value. And we've then gone on to identify some key focus areas in all of that, which is where I spend my day to day. And the key focus areas for us are around business efficiency. So that's really about coordinating a series of projects where we look at our end-to-end processes and optimize, digitize, remove wasteful processes. So that's one area that we're focusing in. The second area is really around the culture piece. So, 
you know, we've got a five-year goal that, you know, within five years, we want to be known not only just in the sector, but even more broadly as an innovative organisation. And I think we realised that to do that, that's a whole culture piece. So we spend a lot of time working in that area as well. The third piece is around research and evidence-informed decision-making. So we're working closely with universities at the moment on some research projects, but also developing and really amping up the business insights part of the business. And then the fourth piece, I guess, is more what people think of traditionally when they think of innovation, which is, you know, IoT, gadgets, robotics, AI, and that type of thing. So I guess that was kind of the foundation 12 to 18 months ago. We felt like, okay, if we focus in those four areas, we think that we'll be on track to reach our goal of being innovative because ultimately what's at the centre all of that is our clients, residents and communities. Um, At the heart of our organisation is every individual living well. So that's kind of the banner that sits across all of those areas Um, and that becomes, you know, the lens that we view everything through. I particularly love that that focus on the efficiency and the culture because, you know, sometimes when you're looking to help people to work in a more efficient way, if you're not also working on the culture and making sure that you've got really effective change management processes, people can sometimes feel resistant and sometimes, particularly in an organisation that's been around a long time, that you've got people who are delivering very personalised services to people that efficiency can sometimes be construed as caring less about people as opposed to actually freeing people up to do the things that are really important for your clients. Oh, it's so true, Tracy. And, you know, we obviously spend a lot of time talking to our staff and surveying our staff. And what we've found is that when we've asked people, why do you want to come and work for Baptist Care? Over 55% of people in our organisation have named, I want to care for people as their top reason. I want to work for a caring organisation and I want to care for people as their top reason for working for an organisation like this. So with that in mind, I guess our focus on the business efficiency and the reason we're focusing very heavily in that area at the moment is there are definitely systems and processes and approaches that weigh us down. We've got workforce pressures, we've got shortages there. People are very, I guess, getting through the day often and outdated, non-optimised processes take away from that meaningful time that you can have with clients and residents. So, you know, the theory, the working theory around all of this is, is that if we can focus on optimising processes, making people's jobs easier, it frees them up to actually do what they come to work for an organisation like this doing, and that is care for people and having sort of more meaningful time. So I guess the first 12 months of this journey, we've been investing heavily in that area. We've done a series of business efficiency projects. We kicked off our first one that we did was actually um, linked to workforce, actually. We did a review of our recruitment and onboarding process. What we found is that our end-to-end process was actually taking about 32 days to recruit somebody. So from when they first inquire about a role, stepping through all of that process, it was actually taking about 32 days. And frankly, we were losing people in that time. So we had people that were interested in coming and working with Baptist Care, 
but because the processes were a bit cumbersome, they were opting out. So this was our first ever one of these projects. We put together a team. We had some outside help come in and guide us through a process of Lean Six Sigma to look at how we can optimize that process and move things around. The end result was our process is now looking at, a, I think, sitting at about 15 days at the moment. So we were able to really free things up, improve the flow and have people moving through that process more quickly. So that's how we kind of kicked off. There was, you know, and that was new for us. So that's not normally how we would approach things. You know, we put together a mixed team from within the business and we were using methodology we haven't used before. There were lots of lessons learned, which is the great thing about when you do something for the first time, right, is what do we learn from that? Was it perfect? No. Did we achieve something? Yes, absolutely. Did we have a crack at something and say, we're just going to try this and see how it goes? Absolutely. And I think that's formed a really good foundation and it really helped us look at, okay, how are we going to do these projects now moving forward? And it's been pretty fantastic. So in the lead up to Christmas, one of the other projects that we did was around digitizing our home care operations. What we've come to realize with these business efficiency projects is, and this is probably one ingredient of the secret sauce I think that's emerging, is if the project or the idea or the initiative starts within the business unit, rather than executive, for example, saying, oh, we need to come in and we need to digitize an area of the business. What we've found is if the idea actually comes from within the business itself, it actually seems to set the project up really well for success. So for instance, last year, we ran our first ever innovation challenge where we basically, we set out a challenge across the organization and said, send us your innovation ideas. What great ideas have you got? We launched the challenge. We had an incentive around that. So it was really important to us that people get honoured and rewarded for their ideas. So yeah, the winners were to receive a voucher and it was really exciting. We got ideas come in from all around the place. One area of the business, we got quite a few suggestions around in our home care or at home space around there's too much paper we want to digitise our processes. So we thought, okay, there's something here. You know, there's something here. People out there, frontline workers are saying there's too much paper. We want to digitise the business. Let's take that and run with it. So fast forward a couple of months, we put together a really diverse cross-functional team, which included the people, of course, that had submitted the ideas, plus other key people from that area of the business, plus people from finance, plus people from IT, put them all together did a six-week project, which was a fair commitment. I think that's something else I probably want to mention at this point is to say to the business, we want to take this bunch of people. There was 12, so 12 people from different business units, and we want to take them away from their day-to-day, which is super busy, and, you know, we've got workforce pressures there, and we want to engage them in, in this project that actually takes really a big commitment and real support from the executive, which we're really fortunate to have in Baptist Care. Because by doing that, putting them in their room together and giving them the freedom and the space to actually, okay, let's look at this. What do our processes look like? And really, you know, I call it the unearthing. <laughs> what, what are our pain points here? Let's unearth what all the pain points are. Let's start with that as a basis before we move to solutions. And then taking them on that journey and using tools they've not used before. It's really actually 
one of the most exciting things I've had the privilege of witnessing in my work life, actually, is seeing such a diverse group of people go through that together, building that trust, that sense of safety, people with a very diverse range of skills and capabilities, but all having that shared common goal. We want to digitize this area of the business and we want to reduce the paper and we care about the environment and we want to be ready for our clients, you know, as they're you know, clients that are coming through now in that area of the business, they're actually more digital savvy. They're happy to receive things on email. They've got their iPads and their laptops and we want to be ready and alongside them with that. Really fantastic to see the group uh, work through that process. And so, and I think what it also does is it means then that the change management, which we so often can, you know, tack on at the end, once we've come up with a bunch of solutions, we go, oh gosh, there's some change management here. How are we going to address that? You know, and we, in these projects, we're actually thinking about that every step of the way. And because we've got these cross-functional teams, so they're going to be the ones actually doing the work at the end of the process. They're the ones that are already involved in it and they're already out there championing and talking to their teams when they go back after the workshops. And they're already starting that change management process before we even know what the solutions are or what it is that we're going to implement. So that's been really fantastic. Yeah, wow. That that sounds really, really cool. I want to just take you back to something you said earlier, and I would love to go a bit deeper because I can see in my head a bunch of our listeners, because I do know some of them personally, who work in this similar space and they're under-resourced. They would have heard you say, and we took them away from their day-to-day job for six weeks to solve this thing, and they would have just gone, yeah, but we can't do that in our organization. But you did do it. Okay. So I'd love to, if it's possible, could you just tell us a little bit more? I mean, there's obviously the commitment from the executive, that's a part of it, but then how did you like kind of practically make that work? Like what had to happen in the organization to allow that to not make everything fall over? Because I think that's what a lot of people would be thinking right now if they did that in their organization. Yeah, it's a really great question. And it's probably the point about innovation journey, which has been the most complex to navigate through. I should clarify that they weren't off the off the tools or off their job for the whole six weeks. We did the project over a six-week period and it was two days, two days, two days. So there was three sort of modules of workshops. But, yeah, so two days at a time and then, you know, with a break in between and then two days time and then finishing up with the two days time at the end. How did we do that? It's a really great question and I look back on it now and think, how did we manage to do that and what are the practical tips I can give people to do? I have to mention the executive support again. I know you acknowledged it, but it is absolutely key. In my role, if I was having to bump into executive around this stuff and have them questioning it, this would be a very short-term role and it would be very frustrating and we wouldn't be getting the traction that we're getting. So it is, I think, I do need to acknowledge that. Part of it is really building, and this is, you know, my job in this at the moment, is building a very initial compelling business case around this is what we're seeing at the moment. So in, I'll use that project as an example. That was about paper and in one area of the business. I looked at volume of paper in that area of the business. I looked at what are their printing and stationery costs. We had lots of anecdotal information around a lot of the pain points. For example, we knew that the admin staff in that area of the business were actually spending three days at the end of each month printing 
scanning, collating, posting invoices and statements out to clients. So, you know, three days once per month. So once you start to kind of look at the data and all of that, you start to see so much opportunity. Then it's a matter of turning around to the business and going, well, this is this is your current state. You know, their paper, what we worked out with their paper usage in that area of the business, that is you stacked the reams of paper up, it was actually equivalent to the height of the Harbour Bridge. Now, the reason I'm confident in sharing that is I'm sure that we're not alone in that. I talk to lots of people from other similar organisations and our use of paper, we go and we implement these new systems and we hope that it's going to solve it. But to be honest, it doesn't necessarily solve it. So that was the situation we faced. So once you start to look at all of that, you start to building a pretty compelling business case in terms of, yes, we want people off their job for six days, but this is where we see the benefit happening. I think it's really important to consider a budget for innovation. So Our organisation has been really great in terms of having a budget for innovation that can support those areas of the business. So, for instance, if backfill is required to have somebody backfilled while they come along to engage in this project, that takes some budget. And I think that's a really important practical thing that you can do because, again, committing resource and budget to this six-week project Fast forward to the end of that and the savings, the cost savings around implementing the solutions that are coming out of that far outweigh backfilling somebody's role for a couple of days. Funnily enough, if I really think about it, because you've really caused me to stop and think about how we achieved it now, there's a little bit in that the case that it came from the frontline staff initiating it as themselves and when they're passionate about it and they're saying to their manager I'm really passionate about that we need to do this they're kind of advocating for the time away themselves and kind of you know pleading that case in terms of yes I'm going to be away from my job for a couple of days but it's really important this is what we can achieve out of this and they you know so the messaging then becomes this whole ground up you know movement plus executive support plus, you know, we're on a mission for in terms of our ESG responsibilities and sustainability, all of those things combined just, I guess, make for a compelling case to we're going to commit to this, we're going to do this. Yeah, and look, you do need to think around, you know, obviously we're right across New South Wales and ACT. So, you know, in this particular instance, it wasn't practical for us to be bringing people in from regional areas you need to look at people with the closer by because the in-person thing was really important and I think is really important often getting people together. So it means that you have to get the experience of regional people in other ways, for example. So, you know, we did some online consultation. Obviously, there was consultation with clients around all of this. So you sort of really casting a wide net But from a practicality perspective, yeah, you do need to make some decisions around where you draw people from to bring them into these projects. If you're loving what you're hearing on our podcast, you should join us for one of our live events where we cover how you can build a more innovative and impactful organisation. We also have our very popular Co-Design for Impact Masterclass, where I'll teach you how to run your own co-design projects and how to set them up for success. 
Spots are limited, so grab your tickets to this and our other events at impactoconsulting.com.au slash events. The key to often getting change to happen is really about focusing on what's the cost if we keep doing what we're doing. That's what I really heard from what you're talking about. There is obviously that overall innovation commitment from your executive, but what you, sounds like what you and the others in, involved in this were able to do is kind of go, here's all the costs of staying the same. And there's a cost. And sometimes we don't see that cost because it's baked into existing budgets and existing ways of doing things. And sometimes we just look at, well, if we change something, what's the cost of that? But I, I think that sounds like what you did quite well there is actually just show, well, this is what we're doing today. And that's actually pretty wasteful. If you can get me just a short-term amount of time, it's a little bit of short-term pain for a much longer-term gain. Yeah. And look, it takes holding a mirror up and that can be quite sobering. I think when you hold that mirror up and go, look, this is this is what we're doing at the moment and this is what it's costing. But we simply can't not do that in this industry and you know, not unlike other industries, but there's a lot of financial pressure in the aged care industry at the moment. You know, we've seen some of the smaller providers just not being able to sustain their organisation and folding. We realised absolutely you can't not take that into consideration. You can't just keep doing the same thing, absorbing the same costs and being inefficient and be a really successful organization actually doing what you want to do, which is caring for people. But it, And I guess part of my role or people in similar roles um, in other organizations, it's really important that we demonstrate value. And to demonstrate value, you always start with a baseline or this is where we're at at the moment. And by committing a bunch of people over six workshops, this is where we can be and really setting those targets But then most importantly, the challenge then becomes delivering on that, you know, and if I use that project, the digitization project, as an example, we came out of that six-week period with some fantastic solutions that are going to make such a difference. And honestly, when I look at the dollars, essentially, we're talking, well, for example, if you've got admin people spending three days at the end of every month doing something which the solutions are now going to remove that. You can kind of hazard a guess at, you know, some of the dollars that we're talking about. Your attention then turns to the implementation and it's so important and I'm living and breathing this every day at the moment. It's not enough just to go and run a fantastic six-week project and have, you know, definitely it's amazing and have all those people involved, but the rubber needs to hit the road and that is implementing the solutions. And that's something we're still working through. Um, the workforce pressures, again, mean that we have a whole bunch of, you know, solutions that we need to implement to realise the benefits of that project. And that all needs to be factored into people's current workloads. You know, we have to work out how we resource that. But, you know, often in these projects, I'm finding that we come across quick wins where we just go, that's a no-brainer. We can just do that right now. That's, you know, an example in this particular project that I'm referencing is they made a decision probably about workshop three to just stop printing stuff in colour 
and stop printing stuff single-sided. Now, they sound like really basic decisions that you might want to make. And they made that decision, communication's gone out, we're doing this. That's a $50,000 saving over 12 months, right there, right then. The only reason that happened is we questioned why are we printing some of this stuff in colour? They're internal documents. Why are we printing it at all? Of course, that's point number one. But when we are printing, let's just make that change where we absolutely have to print something. Let's just stop printing in colour. And for any business, big or small, you know, savings like that out of a quick win is quite powerful. But then, you know, there's some bigger solutions that need to be coordinated and rolled out. And it's really about, yeah, ensuring that we can back it up and, implement those to realise the absolute cost savings that these projects have identified. That's amazing. It seems like a, a really great in- set of initiatives that you've been able to develop there and well worth the you know six weeks of workshops and, and those sorts of things. Are there any other initiatives that have sort of come out of these activities that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, there's a really exciting one happening at the moment. So I mentioned that we you know, had our first innovation challenge last year and a whole bunch of ideas came out of that. Actually, the first winning idea that came out of that came from a frontline worker in one of our residential facilities who put in a suggestion about recycling and having colour-coded bins, I think was the word, in colour-coded bins in residents' rooms that they can contribute to recycling. That simple idea, colour-coded rubbish bins, has actually gone on to be something really quite exciting and fantastic. So, what we've started is we've had our first ever design lab. So design labs are new for Baptist Care. You know, that whole idea of developing an idea and prototyping, all of that, it's all new for us. It's all new language. But the frontline worker that sent in the idea is actually participating in the design labs with, again, a cross-functional team of people. What the idea unearthed for us is that we've actually got some great opportunities to really redesign what the whole end-to-end waste journey looks like in Baptist Care. Again, going back to cost savings and efficiency, our, you know, waste costs for a large organisation like this across so many sites, you know, it's quite substantial. And what we realised when we started digging into it is that, yeah, there's so much opportunity for improvement there. So whether it be the colour-coded bins more of them and making it more easy for staff, residents and their families to actually recycle rather than combining all the waste together. But then looking actually how how the journey of that waste happens in our facilities. So, you know, what are the trolleys like that we put the bins on to move the waste? Is that easy for the cleaners? The cleaners are stretched. So what does that look like? What's the pathway of the rubbish as it heads out to where it needs to go? What's it look like when it gets out to the back dock? And it's super exciting. So, you know, next week we're heading up to Foster to actually look at what this looks like in real life. And the thing I love about it the most is that not only are we doing this for the first time and, you know, using language and concepts that we haven't done before, but frontline worker, environmental sustainability manager, property asset guys and the residents And we're going to be doing this all together. So that's exciting. We're going to be running design labs like this all throughout the next 12 months on a whole variety of initiatives. 
That is exciting. I love hearing those stories. And I could tell just by your excitement when you're talking about really, you know, co-designing in that way, it is really exciting. And and how you've been able to see people develop and get excited about their job through being involved in these processes. So instead of change being something horrible that happens to them, they're actually driving that change within their organisation and making their own roles more meaningful. So I think that's really cool. You mentioned that you're learning a lot, that every time you do a project that you're learning a lot. What's been your favourite learning so far? Oh, my favourite learning, probably what you described. So that concept of having people involved, giving them the space to do it, giving them the support they can do it. Really, it's just been such a powerful thing to observe. And I often think of our organisation as like a big tanker. You know, we're a big tanker, we're a not-for-profit, we're in the aged care sector. And, you know, it's not easy to turn a tanker. You know, they have those little, often they have those little tugboats on the side, like pushing the tanker around when it needs to turn. And I'll be honest, sometimes it can feel a little bit like that. But when I see these diverse mixed groups, the whole co-design piece, thinking differently, using different approaches, actually it's been really quite powerful. The second thing that I've really learned is and had to really adopt and learn myself is things don't have to be perfect. When you're not sure what to do or how to start doing something, just do something. I think sometimes we can get really caught up in it's got to be perfect. So, oh, you know, we're going to go and run this project and it's got to be perfect and it's got to be facilitated perfectly. And, you know, we've got to have all the perfect tools. Actually, it doesn't have to be like that. You just get in, have a go and be able to say, oh, actually, that didn't work that well. Let's do that differently next time and be okay with that. Be okay with it. It's not devastating. You know, we're doing this in a safe way, (laughs) trying different approaches and going, yeah, that didn't work that well and let's not do that ever again and just being comfortable to be able to live with that. That's been a really powerful learning for me. I think maybe I was a bit too much of a perfectionist. That's awesome. And I think that's a real thing though, isn't it? In a lot of organisations, so much of what the past has been about is like showing face and making sure that everything looks great to our clients and our employees and our all these people that are involved. And I think when you, you really start getting into innovation, you have to change that mindset to we're going to learn and we're going to try. You know, I think it is a very different way of thinking. And it seems like that's really that journey that you're on, which is around you've, you've moved from that perfectionistic slash win or fail to learn or don't learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I love learning from other people. And I was actually with somebody last week from a completely different organization in a completely different industry. And what he said to me was, we have an idea and we get it to be about 50% right. He said, and then we roll that out. We we pick a site and we go, we've got this idea. It's, we, it's about 50% ready. But he said, we roll that out. We pick a site, we roll it out and we get feedback. And we get the feedback back and then we develop it more and we roll it out again and, and so on. And so the process goes. And look, we've all heard that and we've read it before, but to hear him describing that and being comfortable with knowing that something's half-baked, if you will, 50%, you know, <laughs> but yet we're going to try it anyway. That's really, I guess, to me, 
the key for innovation and having that mindset and being okay with that and hearing the feedback and trying again and hearing the feedback and trying again. I think that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for sharing all of that, Petrina. That was so interesting. Uh, I know you were sort of saying like you're really on this like steep learning curve as an organization, but some of the things that you're already doing are quite mature in the innovation space, especially around that commitment from the executive team and all the leaders within the organization. It's just so good to hear that and talking about your innovation budget and how you're testing and learning and you're, you know, looking at how do we solve problems with teams of people and co-designing those things. It's just so good to hear. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see all the different outcomes from some of these initiatives that you've done. It seems like you're doing some really great work there. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no worries. Is there anywhere you could like to point people if they'd like to learn more or connect with you? Or Oh, yeah. Look, I'm happy for people to reach out. I think we can all learn from each other. So, yeah, I'm more than happy for people to reach out to me on LinkedIn if they want to know more about any of the work that we're doing. And also, yeah, just to kind of share, I think, I think in all of this, collaboration and sharing of information is super important and we can all learn for each other. So yeah, more than happy for people to reach out. I'd love to hear from other people and other organizations that yeah, are on a similar journey. Perfect. Well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes so people can click through there and connect with you there and, and have a chat. So, hey, once again, really great to have you on the show. I you know, really enjoyed that conversation. I think you're doing some amazing things there and keep up the great work. I, I feel like you're on a, a really good trajectory as an organization to really become super innovative and impactful in what you do. So keep it up. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Tracy. It's been great. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast. Any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes. If you'd like to know more about social innovation, visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way. Visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.